Good morning, Travis family. Uh, let us turn together uh, once again to the book of Jonah, uh, chapter four, and we are gonna finish this series uh, today. We'll begin a transition um, out of this series uh, back into the New Testament, uh, into the Gospels, and, uh, but we're gonna wrap this book up. And if you're familiar with the book of Jonah in any given way, you are familiar with this story and how it ends as one of the most anticlimactic uh, stories or narratives really in all of the Bible. Uh, there are some interesting things that happen, some peculiar things that happen, really just asking the question, how could a man of, of the Lord respond in the way uh, that he responds? And so I'm gonna invite us to read together just the first three or four verses, and we will begin this morning. In Jonah chapter four, beginning in verse one, it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster." Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you would speak to us and change us according to your word. Uh, we pray that your spirit would transform us in our very living rooms this morning. We pray that you would speak to us. Lord, let us know more about who you are, come to understand you in a deeper way, even as we come to understand ourselves. And may the Lord Jesus be lifted up and magnified during this time, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, I don't know if uh, you're like me at all, but um, I can constantly, if I'm not on guard, can fall into the trap of comparison. Whether it is looking at other men that have a similar vocation, uh, whether it is looking at friendships and being jealous of that and, and comparing my friendships with others or families, comparison is a really dangerous trap for us to fall into. The reason why it's so dangerous is because comparison, more often than not, it leads to a place of despair for God's people, really for all people for that matter. Comparison, when we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another, we very quickly can evolve into a place of bitterness and, and that bitterness roots up and, and then anger soon comes up. Well, when those moments happen within our life, we find ourselves in bitterness and in anger, running and really pushing away the Lord, pushing away the comfort that is given by God according to his word through his spirit, pushing away the presence of God because we are choosing to elevate our circumstances or our envy in comparison of other things and we are letting those things take over and to consume our life. It ultimately leads to this bitterness and anger. Here we find the prophet Jonah at the end of the book, and he is in deep despair. He's an angry individual. He, he is a, a man who has bitterness that is rooted up in his heart because of what God had done in a miraculous way. And 
If you're just joining us this week, the the story of Jonah unfolds in the very beginning in chapter one, where God tells him to go and to proclaim his message to the Ninevites, who were the enemies of Israel, who were not Jonah's friends. Jonah decides to flee. He ends up in the, the bottom of the ship. Eventually he's swallowed by a fish. He comes to repentance in chapter two. Chapter three, we saw last week how Jonah goes and he walks in faithfulness and in obedience. And he does what God had called him to do. And out of that obedience, we see an incredible awakening of people that were far from God that eventually come to know God in the same way that Jonah did. But what's peculiar about this book and why it's so hard and difficult at times to to understand and to identify with Jonah, because here we have this incredible outpouring of God on a people that are far from him that reached the the upper echelons of of the kingdom, that that the Ninevite king was calling his people to repentance. And and all of these things happen, this awakening happens, but yet Jonah in this very self-righteous behavior with a very pharisaical mindset about things, very envious, very bitter, very angry that God would save some of the least desirable people in the world. And so we ended chapter three with God doing some great things, but we notice in the text this morning, beginning in verse one, the Lord does this and he saves the people in the city. But it says that this displeased Jonah. And notice what he, what he says to God. He, he, he reminds God of his character and his nature and he, and he prays to the Lord, talking to God, saying, is this not what I said when I was in my country? I knew and believed you to do these things, but I fled from you and ran because I didn't want you to save these people. Jonah is having some identity issues at this moment. And he says, for I knew that you were a gracious God. You were merciful and slow to anger. You were abounding in in your covenantal steadfast. The Hebrew word there is is hesed. uh, That kind of love that never changes, that never ends. And, And you relented from bringing disaster upon these people. I knew you would do it. And you did the very thing that I knew that you would do. And I am greatly displeased. Now we can speculate in a lot of different reasons why Jonah would have such a peculiar response to the Lord. Here he has seen God do some incredibly miraculous things. Jonah was a a successful prophet even before God called him to go preach to the Ninevites. Jonah was extremely proud of, of his heritage and who he had come from and had really pushed back on the Lord's call to go really in this moment, to go to the nations, to be global in the message that God was giving, to go to the Ninevites, uh, his sworn enemy, and to call them to a place of repentance and to lead them to, to a gracious, loving, and kind God because that's, that's who he is. Jonah was having identity issues, I, I believe with all my heart that he had begun to, to think that, that his ways were, were better than God's, that, that these people, the least of these, these wicked, immoral people, that they were not worthy of hearing the message of God because Jonah knew God was so good that he would save them. But the text says that, that Jonah was displeased. And the Lord responds in, in this place where Jonah finds himself remembering these things. And, and he sort of asks him this very sarcastic question at the end of verse four. Is, is it well for you to, to be angry? 
about something that I've done for, for a people. I've saved them and redeemed them and called them to be mine. And, and here you are stewing in a, in a, in a place of self-righteousness, in a place of, of deep-seated anger and hatred towards a group of people that are not like you. Is it well with you? Friend, I wanna ask you this morning, and I don't know your circumstance, and I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been dealing with, but I bet more often than not that there are some of you that are watching this right now, and you are, you are dealing and struggling with anger. That it's controlling you in the same way that it's controlling Jonah. It's consumed you. It's taken over your mind, your heart, whether it was a, a place of comparison that led to bitterness or you were just bitter because you were wrong or you were falsely spoken against or in some way you didn't get what you were owed and there was no justice. And, and so all of those things eventually evolve to where the Lord is saying to his people today, saying to you right now through his word, how's it going living and stewing in this anger? Is it really well? And, and is this really the best place that, that, that you need to be? And so he asked this rhetorically and, and Jonah's response uh, in verse five was this. It says, Jonah, hearing from the Lord, he doesn't care. He says he goes out into the city and he sat to the east of the city and it says that he made a booth for himself there. And what this would have been, would, it would have been just the most raggedy looking tent that, that he could have come up with. It, it would have uh, just been something that you would have not wanted to, to really glean a lot of shelter from. It would have been like an umbrella with a big hole through it. He, he wouldn't be able to find really any comfort in this moment. And so he makes the booth for himself and he sits under the shade, but we know that he's not completely covered in the shade and he's uncomfortable. Notice what the text says. It says, till he should see what would become of the city. And then it says in verse six, notice the language. Now the Lord, as he sits under his booth, he appointed a plant and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Now I want you to notice, because we're gonna see this repetition of words that, that plays out in chapter four, like we've seen in chapter one in verse four and, and like in, in verse 17, where we see this phrase, this turn of phrase, the Lord caused, the Lord hurled, the Lord appointed. And one of the things that the book of Jonah is doing for his people is it's meant to remind us of the sovereignty of God in the midst of our circumstances. It's meant to remind us that, that God is in control and that what he permits and what he allows and, and what, what happens to us often, it hasn't passed by unnoticed to God, that God is deeply and keenly aware of where we are. He is keenly aware of the wrongs that have been brought about in our lives. But we notice in verse six where God begins this repetition of phrase. Notice he says that it's the Lord that appointed a plant. Scholars believe that uh, this plant was some kind of either a castor oil plant or some kind of gourd. And it was a plant that grew fast and that had rather large leaves. And so we see the sovereignty of God in action in verse six, where it says, Jonah, under this booth that he fashions, in great discomfort, the Lord in his sovereignty, knowing Jonah's circumstance, he appoints the plant to come up and he made it come up over Jonah that it would be a shade to him to save him from his discomfort. And then it says that because of this, notice Jonah's response. Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plan. 
But if you keep reading in verse seven, we see that when the dawn came up the next day, it says God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and the plant therefore withered because of the worm. And when the sun rose in verse eight, it says, God, he appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and he asked that he might die. And he says out loud, it is better for me to die than to live at this moment. What we see here is a prophet who has fallen very far from grace. A man who experienced success in ministry who experienced awakening, who was the tool and the instrument that God chose to use to spread the gospel, to spread the message, God's message in in this time to a group of people who were far from him. He had experienced the the greatest heights that a a prophet could accomplish. And yet here we find him um, seeking refuge because of this son, because of his great discomfort. And he has come to the point where where he is saying aloud to the Lord, it is better for me in this moment. I am so miserable and uncomfortable that it is better for me to perish than to live. What an incredible place to be for any individual. What an incredible place to be in a a reckoning that, that God would bring him to this place where he would experience this discomfort. And I want to remind us of of an often truth that's forgotten throughout the scriptures. And, And that truth is simply this. God will bring about hard times in our lives, not to punish us because of our sin, but rather to get our attention, to turn it away from that sin so that we will then look to God for our hope and our trust and that we will therefore walk in obedience with him and alongside him. What we see in this moment God seeking to gather and to garner Jonah's attention as he continues to run and to dwell in bitterness and to dwell in a place of anger and resentment about what God had done. If I were to be honest with you or maybe you were to be honest with me, could we not say and would we not agree that at times it is more comfortable to nurse our wounds rather than to heal our wounds. It is more comfortable and frankly, it's, it's easy to, to speak aloud and, and to, to talk about how we've been wrong aloud to other people and to continue to nurse that and to, and to play this place and, and this position of, of perpetual victimhood. It's easy to nurse our wounds. It's much more difficult But it's the way of the mature Christian to not seek to nurse those wounds, but rather to seek healing from those wounds, not forgetting, not moving on as if nothing happened and pretending nothing happened, but recognizing the scars that we carry in in life and the conflict and the relationship, but making sure that we are walking forward in a place of of health and, and leaning into the gospel of Jesus and the word and the authority of God's word for our life. Jonah wanted to play the victim. And so the Lord caused the discomfort. If we continue on and we look at the text, after Jonah says at the end of this in verse eight, notice God's response in verse nine. But God said to Jonah, do you do well again to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I I do well to be angry and, and angry enough that I would die, that this plant was taken from me. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you didn't labor, you didn't grow it. It came into being at night and it perished in a night. 
You had nothing to do with that plant's existence. You had nothing to do with that plant's welfare. Yet you are valuing this plant and and you are bitter and angry towards a plant in which you had nothing to do with. All the while, these souls were perishing uh, just east to where we were and and you, you run from me and you leave me. And the Lord says in verse 11, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in the same way you pity that plant, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle. Now scholars have conversations about the 220,000 persons that exist there. And there's a little bit of conversation on who these people are. Is this the entire population of the city of Nineveh or, or does this represent uh, just the women and, and the children and, and, uh, and basically how they would have viewed people? I hold the view that, that he is speaking to the entirety of the city in this moment. Because this was the message that Jonah went and preached to. He didn't just preach to children. He didn't just preach to women, but he preached rather to all people. And so the context helps inform our understanding that when the Lord is referring to this, that he's referring to the whole city of Nineveh. And by Jonah becoming angry and bitter towards this plant, what Jonah begins to unintentionally do is he begins to argue for the validity of God's love for the Ninevites in the same way that he loves and cherishes this plant, so much so that because the plant has withered, Jonah wishes that his own life be taken. Now, I think that if I was sitting down in a counseling session with Jonah at this very moment, I may be nodding my head trying to empathize, but if I saw a guy that was broken to the point of of taking his own life because a plant withered and and passed away, that I would say that we have some major psychological, spiritual, and emotional issues that we must deal with. And in fact, he might be a guy that we might need to admit to to some sort of outpatient care unit to, to receive the counseling and the nurture and the care. This is a gross overreaction on Jonah's part to a silly little plant that he had nothing to do with. But his overreaction to this plant was just symptomatic of the deep issues that existed in Jonah's heart. That specifically the, the anger and the bitterness that had rooted up within him, all because God saved a group of people. Imagine that for just a moment. God saves this group of people and yet Jonah is so upset, not because of the the wickedness of the Ninevites, not because God saved them, but rather he, he chooses to perish or wanting to perish because the plant is gone and he's miserable. No relationship with the plant. The plant had a limited existence. And, and so what we're meant to see here, what's the point of all this, Pastor? Well, what we're meant to see here is one, we wanna see God's heart for people far from him And in the same way that that Jonah weeps over the plant, we're meant to see that as, as our place of being as we seek to weep over those who do not know Jesus. In the same way we might accuse Jonah of overreacting to a silly plant and a worm that 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 rotted that plant out, we are are to rejoice in those that are far from God that come to know him. But friend, this morning, my, my heart and my, my point this morning of application is this, is that we need to guard our hearts against the worms that can rot out our spiritual well-being, against the worms that can rob our joy as believers and as, as Christians. 
And I think that there are no greater worms perhaps in the Christian life than than what I would just call the worm of bitterness, the worm of of comparison, the worm of, of anger that takes root in our hearts at times. And over the years, I've, I've learned to deal with bitterness and anger in, in a variety of ways. And, and the first place that I know to go, that, that we see a glimpse of this in Jonah's life back in chapter two, verse eight, where, where I, I told you before, it's the main point of the book where he says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and their steadfast love. Like this is the reminder to us to guard our hearts against the idolatry that can well up. But when the bitterness takes root, And when the anger takes root, we need to first remember that God in his graciousness has forgiven us. And God in his graciousness has chosen not to be bitter or angry at his people, even though we have forsaken him and fallen short and we have sinned against him in in grievous ways, in malicious ways, that we are described in the scriptures as being dead in our trespasses and sins, warranting death because of our sin. But yet God has chosen not to be bitter and angry towards us, but rather took out that bitterness and that anger on his son who was the propitiation for our sins on the cross. But I think there's another step to this. In dealing with our bitterness specifically, And whether it's a circumstance or a situation, because I believe that there are many of you who are watching this right now who are in the context of of conflict in relationships and you're crying out for justice, for the truth to be heard. And my word to you this morning is simply this, that one of the keys to unlocking the bitterness within your heart is to rest in the fact that God knows the real story. That God knows what really happened. Whether they know it, or your neighbors know it, or your coworkers know it, or your boss knows it, or your wife knows it, or your friend knows it, God knows the true story. But the second thing is this, is that not only does God know the true story, God knows the heart behind the adversary. And God knows the heart of you. It's God's job to judge intentions. It's God's job to to examine motivations, to reveal those things to us in the proper way. And so as we deal with with bitterness and anger, like Jonah is, is clearly dealing with, and this anger and resentment that God would do this thing, and we find ourselves in a situation today where where we're in the middle of some conflict, we're in the middle of some anger issues and some bitterness issues, is to understand that that God knows their hearts and And more importantly, God knows your own heart in the situation and the circumstance that you're in. So examine it, friend. Lay it bare before the Lord, who who is holy and righteous, to to reveal us and and let the word pierce and, and reveal and shed light on your motivations and on your actions. And if there is need for repentance, repent. If there is need to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. But at the end of the day, we know that God knows the true story. We know that, that God knows the heart, but also in the sense of an admonition, friend, I wanna say this to you as we conclude, is do not, do not keep drinking from that cup of bitterness that you find yourself going back to over and over and over again. Jonah, at this point in our story, was a master in nursing his wounds. He wanted to be the victim in this moment. 
Rather than celebrate the good things that God has done, Jonah chose to go back to the bitter cup and he kept drinking it. And one of the things that Jonah didn't understand that we must understand when it comes to bitterness is that if you continually live in a place of resentment and anger and bitterness, all you were doing is you were putting yourself in a poisonous prison cell and you are locking the door and throwing away the key and the only person you are holding captive is yourself. Because more often than not, the person that you are bitter at, they've moved on. And they're enjoying themselves, they're seeking God's best or whatever that may be for them, but they've moved on. All the while you are holding yourself hostage in a jail cell and you have thrown away the key. But here's the hope of the gospel for us this morning is that the gospel of Jesus is the key to unlock the door to get us out of the cell. And every time I come before God in his word and I let him speak to my heart and I ask him to change me, Every time I do that, I'm, I'm chipping away a little bit at my old self, at my selfishness and my self-centeredness and my bitterness. And I'm taking myself out, not by my own power, because of the spirit of God and the power of the gospel at work in my life, that it removes me from that jail cell of bitterness and poison and death. Friend, if you're watching this this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your savior, and I just wanna to say to you that there is no hope of you ever escaping the bitterness and the anger and the resentment in your heart apart from a relationship with him. And I implore you to, to give your life to Christ in this very moment as you perhaps watch this online. But Christian, if you've been walking with God but find yourself in a bitter place, that today is the day where, where let us get right before the Lord and, and let us confess our own parts, but, but let us leave it up to God that, that he knows the truth and he knows the motivation and let us rest in that understanding whether or not the people that are against you ever understand it fully. And let us look to the hope of the gospel and the work of Jesus during this time. Church friends, I love you. I can't wait. I am counting down the days to see you again. And it's coming and it's coming soon. But until then, we are praying for you as you pray for us. We wanna encourage you to pray in your homes at this time for God's word to take root and his spirit to move in the midst of his people. Love you and see you next week.